0: hello everyone and welcome back to the professional sports talk podcast as always i'm your host jack murphy thank you so much for tuning in to another episode in today's episode it's going to be our normal recap episode but today's episode is a little different than most because it is the final week of regular season football that's right week 18 the first ever week 18 i may add is in the books all teams are set for their playoffs teams have punched their team their way into the playoffs other teams have choked up when it really matters and lost their playoff positioning <clears throat> the colts will get to that and then of course many head coaches and general managers have been fired from their positions and there's a lot of vacancies open in the nfl right now i'm going to talk about all that who i think was deserving of being fired who i think are some intriguing jobs for top-notch head coaching candidates and much much more so stay tuned with me we're gonna go over game recaps first and let's just start right off the bat with that game i was just alluding to the colts versus the jaguars this was possibly the most disappointing game in the weekend from colts fans point of view of course it's very exciting and very exhilarating if you're a Steelers fan if you're uh, i guess a raiders fan there was a lot even baltimore at the time still had life after this game so this game just opened the possibility and opened the door for many other teams to make the playoffs and i mean it was just ridiculous um This, of course, gave life to a couple other non-deserving teams. Like I was just saying, the Steelers are now in the playoffs directly because of this game. Um, So the Steelers have to give a lot of credit to the Jaguars there. But of course, beyond just the playoff implications, the Colts were a team that I was getting really excited about. I think a lot of other people in the media were getting very excited about. It was a team that a lot of people that are very trustworthy, and myself included said that you didn't want to face in January. They felt like they were built for playoff football with how good this defense had been playing, with how dominant this run game had played. And both of these teams could not have looked more different from all year. I mean, It was just crazy to see this Colts team get absolutely beat on all stages of the game by this Jaguars team. I mean, Trevor Lawrence probably had the best game of his career in the same aspect. He was probably getting the best protection he had gotten all year long. This Colts pass rush was basically completely negated. Trevor Lawrence had a ton of clean pockets to throw to. And then on the other side of the ball, the Jaguars D-line just completely disrupted the game plan of the Colts. They played Jonathan Taylor extremely well. They were pressuring Carson Wentz pretty consistently, and Wentz sticking with him is just continuing to show why he's hindering this team, continuing to show that that experiment they pulled of giving the uh, Eagles a first-round pick, well, technically a conditional second-round pick that is now a first-round pick, uh, clearly failed, and it's going to be very interesting to see what they do during this offseason, interesting to see what they do going forward, because... Who knows if they're really their guy there? I imagine Colts fan have to be Colts fans have to be extremely infuriated with his performance as of late. And there's just so many other storylines about this game because, of course, obviously all the playoff implications and the door this opened for so many other teams, but also clown Clowntown. Um, Jaguar fans were extremely disappointed with how their organization was being run. They thought they were a bunch of clowns. So fans were showing up to the game as clowns. Fans of the Jacksonville Jaguars were changing their Twitter pictures to the clown emoji. It was just a complete shit show, And everyone was fully aware of that. They were fully anticipating getting their ass whooped in this game and it couldn't have been more differently. It really seemed like the Colts just kind of walked into this game expecting to get a win. They seemed like they were asleep. They didn't really seem like they were prepared for this one. It kind of looked like they were just looking forward to the playoffs, and they were expecting to just roll over the, jo- the Jags, and the Jags heard all the buzz coming from Clown Town. They heard that if they eliminated, or excuse me, if they beat the Colts in this one, they'd be eliminated from playoff contention, and it seemed like they just came more prepared more ready to play and more fired up i mean again offensively and defensively the line of scrimmage was just completely dominated by the jags something i would have never seen coming and i mean for god's sake the colts had the most pro bowlers in the league this year and the jags have the first overall pick i just thought these teams were on two completely different planes i didn't even talk about this game coming into this week as i'm sure many people didn't because they were just expecting the colts to roll the jags like i said Um, And I'm sure Colts fans just have to be extremely infuriated. Steelers fans are loving it because they're in the playoffs now. And if you haven't yet, go watch Pat McAfee's rant about this game. I've been watching Pat McAfee and all the great work he's doing on his show over there for some time now obviously being a face of the colts and playing for the colts basically his entire i think his entire career if i'm not mistaken um his rant about this game was just fucking great it was factual it was hilarious he was fired up as he should be because this was an absolute must win game and a game that not only is must win but extremely winnable because again these teams are just on two completely different planes right now so go watch that it was fucking hilarious and the Colts have a lot of questions going into this offseason. This is still an amazing roster. I still love their GM. I still love their head coach. I think a lot of those questions really comes down to Carson Wentz and what they're going to do with him moving forward because they're paying him a lot of money. They gave up a lot of draft capital to get him. And now they're not even in the playoff conversation when it looked like they were going to be a serious contender in the AFC. So let's just jump back to Saturday's games really quick. Um, I'm only going to talk about this game for a brief second because whole. I mean, quite honestly, I didn't watch this whole game. I mostly watched the second half, but that's about it. I am referring to the Chiefs versus the Broncos. The Chiefs got lucky in this one. The Broncos were controlling the game very well from what I saw. Mahomes didn't play a particularly clean game, neither did Drew Locke from what I saw. I know they both had success on the ground. They had a few rushing touchdowns between the two of them. And Honestly, what I really took away from this game is the Chiefs are still not playing championship-caliber football, championship football. Excuse me. Um, I am concerned about the Tyreek Hill injury. I hope he's gonna be good to go for next weekend because, well, I mean, I guess I hope for the Chiefs, I guess the Chiefs should hope that he's gonna be good to go. I don't really, it doesn't affect me. I'm not a Chiefs fan or anything like that. Um, but obviously you want your best guys on the field. You want, don't want a team to be hindered due to injury. And that's definitely what they would be if they don't have Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill just opens up so much for that offense. He's obviously one of the best weapons in the entire NFL. I hope he can get healthy for next game. And he was clearly limping around on quite a few plays, even though he was playing through it. Um, Other than that, I mean, I just... Again, this team has pretty much been this all year. They've had their ups and downs. They show up at other times. They fall asleep at other times. And their offense is very hit or miss as of recently. And I just need to see more consistency in this offense before I can name them a Super Bowl caliber team. Again, the AFC is a lot more wide open. And I think that there's a good shot of them making it. But not having that one seed is extremely impactful, especially for the Titans side, because, I mean, we'll get to that. We'll talk about the Titans later in this episode. But having that one seed for the Titans is going to be extremely important, getting all their guys healthy, having an extra week to prepare with this amazing coaching staff is going to make a huge difference for them. And shifting back to the Broncos side of the ball, obviously they're not in the playoffs. They weren't going to be in the playoffs even if they won this game. But I think the real conversation starts to come out of, Who is going to be their head coach for next year? And of course, who is going to be their quarterback for next year? I still think they should be legitimate contenders for one of these veteran QBs, whether it be a uh a Rogers or a Wilson. I still think they're gonna be in that conversation most definitely. But I also think they should be a decently high demand job for a top-notch head coach. I mean, they still have a very good roster. There's still flexibility at quarterback because their draft position is still fairly high. They could get a younger guy. And like I said, one of these veteran QBs could definitely have interest in this job. And they still have some cap space there. So there's a lot to work with there. I think the the Broncos are going to be fine long-term if they can just secure a good head coach. Obviously, a guy like Brian Flores would be absolutely amazing. Jim Caldwell Caldwell, looks like he's trying to get back into the head coaching sweepstakes. There's some other guys out there that I really like. Nathaniel Hackett would be a great fit there. Um, Hopefully, that would encourage Aaron Rodgers to come as well. Um, But other than that, I just think that the broncos are going to be just fine i hope that they can figure it all out between quarterback and head coach but again i think they will i have a lot more faith in them than some of these other teams who are in a slight rebuild not that the broncos are in a rebuild but i think that really helps some of getting one of these veteran quarterbacks and their draft capital again is not bad to go get one of these rookies if they want to go that route Next game I want to talk about is the Steelers versus the Ravens. What an incredible run for the Steelers this is. This is just amazing what they're doing. Got to give a lot of credit to Mike Tomlin, as does guys like on their defense, such as TJ Watt, who couldn't break the record, but still that fumble to start the game really set the tone uh, of this entire game. Tyler Huntley played a pretty ugly game in this one. I mean, the pick of the first play of the fourth quarter really swung the momentum of this game. It looked like they were going to go up by two possessions. And then I believe it's Cameron Sutton. I think that's his name. Uh, Something with a C, something Sutton. Um, Maybe I'm just thinking of Cortland. Maybe it's not with a C. I know it's Sutton. Either way, picked it off in the end zone when it looked like the Ravens were going to go up by two possessions. And before that, the Ravens were running the ball very well. Uh, This was just a really critical mistake that changed everything. And again, got to give some credit to Big Ben. Uh, Najee Harris got injured early in this game. He did come back later, as did Deontay Johnson. They both came back later in the game, and it sounds like they're going to be fine for next week. But Big Ben showed up when the Steelers really needed it most. The perfect example was the fourth and eight in overtime to uh, Ray-Ray McLeod, I believe it was. Just a clutch play, clutch throw get get him in a field goal range. They had one more big run after that Najee Harris for another first down. And then Chris Boswell nailed the game winning overtime kick. But beyond the analysis of the game, what a way to end the regular season for the Steelers. We get to see Big Ben continue to his incredible career, even if they do have to go play in Kansas City. Uh, If Kansas City can just be continue to be inconsistent on offense especially if Tyreek Hill isn't there i mean who knows they could have a shot of winning this one obviously we just saw them a couple weeks back completely get their ass whooped by kansas city in kansas city and now they're going back but i mean This Steelers defense, what they're doing, the way they're rallying around Tomlin and Roethlisberger to keep them going, I just love the storyline of this game. It'd be absolutely, I would have no problem with them beating Kansas City because one, who the hell would ever see this coming? They're probably the worst team in the playoff picture right now, and their defense is, who knows? Maybe it can carry them to the Wonderland. Tomlin is an amazing head coach. Big Ben has had an amazing career, and it'd be really, it'd be a really great Cinderella story to just see them keep pushing on, and. As far as the Ravens go, I mean, again, they've just had so much to deal with this year. No Lamar Jackson for basically the last month of the year. Extremely, extremely harmful for their record, for their locker room. I think they're going to be just fine. We know that they have a great head coach. They have a great GM. Um, Lamar Jackson is going to be good to go by the time next year comes around. No one expects anything differently. And... Yeah, I mean, it's impressive that they were even in contention for playoffs with all this that this team had to deal with. And yeah, I mean, not too much to say that their season is over. You don't have to overanalyze it. It's just more so focusing on the Steelers and what they're going to do going forward. Um, And I really like how their O-line has been playing recently. That's kind of a side note. They They look like this is obviously a very young unit. They're very much improving. And again, it should be a decent spot for a veteran quarterback to come in here. Or even if they want to draft a guy, I think they can develop a decent rookie, whether it be Kenny Pickett, who's just be moving down the street, whether it be a guy like Sam Howell, one of those guys um, I could easily see, you know, having... Decent success immediately coming into the system just because we know their offensive line is getting better. They still have very good weapons there. Um, and Mike Tomlin, it has to be one of the top five head coaches in the league right now. Moving on to the next game, we've got the Titans versus the Texans. The Titans looked like they were going to run away in this game. They scored 21 points in the first, sorry, in the second quarter, but outside of that quarter, they really didn't do too much offensively. The Texans rallied back in very impressive fashion and made it very interesting. I loved how they shut down the Tennessee Titans run game. Their D-line played a really, really good game in this one. And Davis Mills continues to show flashes and Particularly in this game, he played very well. I really do think he could be the future here. It was a great pick when they took him. I I loved him coming out of college. I really thought he got slept on throughout the entire draft process. In this game, he was 22 for 33, 301 yards, three touchdowns, and no picks. Just a very good game from Davis Mills. And especially, you know, when you're down 21 nothing and you're basically playing for nothing on the season, it's very easy to just throw up the towel. Uh, Basically, give up, roll yourself, roll your stomach over. But they didn't do that at all. They kept fighting. Um, Danny Amendola looked like OG. Danny Amendola. He had seven catches for 113 yards and two touchdowns. That's another very impressive part about Davis Mills. He's getting everyone involved. Obviously, Brandon Cooks is the standout receiver there, but other guys have had big flashes in the passing game with. Davis Mills under center, and again, just very impressed with this, with what this rookie is doing with the talent around him, uh, with all the dysfunction this organization has had. I got to give a lot of credit to Davis Mills for just fighting each and every single week and looking like he could be a franchise QB there. Going back to Tennessee, they secure the first round bye with this one, and I still think this is a team you very much don't want to face in the playoffs. I mean, between players getting healthy and getting them back and having that extra week of rest to just get themselves fully prepared for whoever it is that's going to come into tennessee of course derrick henry coming back aj brown and julio jones getting more comfortable in this offense and hopefully keeping themselves healthy in these two weeks they have off and then of course of course you guys know how much i love this coaching staff led by mike vrabel i think giving mike vrabel an extra week of preparation for whoever they're going to face is going to be extremely important to this team's success in the playoffs, and I think again, it's just a very, very scary team with how they've been playing. Very tough defense, very good running game, getting the best running back back in the NFL, and having those two elite receivers hopefully stay healthy in Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. This team could seriously make a run, and I'm very much here for it, because this team deserves it. They're, they've played their ass off all year. They're very deservant of the number one seed. They've been very consistent. They've beat the shit out of some really, really good teams in the AFC already, So we're going to see if they can do it again. Of course, they've already beat the Bills earlier this year. They've already beat the shit out of the Chiefs earlier this year. So it's going to be very interesting to see if they can do it again in the playoffs. Next game that I'm going to talk about just, again, pretty quickly because it doesn't have too much implications. It's more so just the future of one of these teams and The shifting parts that a lot of people have been speculating. Maybe they won't be shifting due to this game. Who knows? I am talking about the Seahawks versus the Cardinals. The Seahawks have really found their groove offensively recently. Of course, leading the way is Rashad Penny. But I mean... Russell Wilson's been cooking, him and Tyler Lockett, that connection has been clicking on all cylinders. Obviously, DK Metcalf had three touchdowns just a couple of weeks ago. It's really looking like an entirely different team. Outside of slipping up to the Bears, this team has been very dominant in the last month. And the biggest question becomes, are they doing enough to convince Russell Wilson to stay? It truly does seem like they can still compete with within their division if their offense plays like this. They can honestly outscore anyone. So, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't have any ins in this situation. I haven't heard too much coming out of the Seahawks uh, media out of the Seahawks, you know, just staff, all that. I really don't know what to make of this situation, but I guess what I'm trying to say is if Russell Wilson did end up staying there, I wouldn't blame him. Um, I think there is a lot of, obviously it's It's hard to say now because we saw Brady go to the Buccaneers in his first year and win a Super Bowl, but I think there is a lot of value in continuity and sticking with guys. And again, sometimes the answer is just right in your face, and you can't pass that up. Um, Again, I'm not going to blame... Uh, Russell Wilson, if he does want to leave, I'm not going to blame the Seahawks if they want to get rid of Pete Carroll. But again, we've seen them have a ton of success in this league. This is one of their first losing seasons in a very long time, and Russell Wilson wasn't healthy for a lot of the season. So I don't know. I think there's still reason to believe that they that he might want to stay there. They beat the Niners this year already. They obviously just beat the hell out of the Cards when the Cardinals were playing for a division title. This is essentially a playoff game for the Cardinals, and they beat him. So. It's going to be very interesting to see what decision he makes in the offseason. It's going to be very interesting to see not only what decision he makes, but the front office makes about Pete Carroll. Um, Definitely something to look forward to in this offseason. It's going to be a very intriguing story to follow. As far as the Cardinals go, I've been saying this for a few weeks, especially after that loss to the Colts. Um, It's hard to consider the Cardinals' legitimate Super Bowl contenders right now. Obviously, they've had some really, really impressive wins, but I don't know. I just feel like they're... I've been saying this all season long, they're still very inexperienced. Their coach hasn't proven a whole lot. Um, this is a very young team. And despite some of their veteran leaders like AJ Green, JJ Watt is coming back. Those guys haven't really played in huge games in their career. Obviously, they're amazing players and they have amazing statistics to back up their talent. But it's not like either of these guys have played for a Super Bowl. It's not like either of these guys have even been in like a conference championship game. Um, so again, it's just these are the type of games that the cardinals have to win uh this is again essentially a playoff game for them if they win this game and the rams obviously lost to the niners they would be the four seed they would win the nfc west and this team just makes me a little nervous i don't fully know what to think about this team i still think they're extremely talented and they could cause a lot of problems for other teams in the nfc but again i just don't really know if they're a serious super bowl contender i think If they are going to upset some of these teams in the AFC and they are going to make a serious push, they need Kyler Murray clicking on absolutely all cylinders with his weapons. They need him to throw for like 400 yards, three touchdowns, that type of game, and then they're going to be able to do it. But that's just a very big ask. They're kind of in that similar boat of the Cowboys as me. I think the Cowboys key to success is just Dak Prescott playing out of his mind, and if he does go on a run here and plays with his hair on fire, him and Kyler. I think both of these teams could seriously make runs at the Super Bowl. But again, just going through Green Bay, I really don't see a team that can beat Green Bay in Green Bay right now. Um, if they do, I'd be seriously impressed. I am would be a little bit surprised, um, but again, I'm not opposed to it. You guys know I'm a Bears fan. I don't really want to see Green Bay continuing to win all these games, but I just, I'm also a realist, and I know that they're They have the best home field advantage in the NFC, um, and they also just have the best quarterback in the NFC. They've got one of the best head coaches in the NFC. And for all those factors, I just really don't see any team. And they're the most consistent team in the NFC. So I I just really don't see a team in the NFC going up to Green Bay and beating them. Either way, this is more so about the Seahawks versus the Cardinals, if Russell Wilson is going to stay, if the Cardinals are legitimate contenders, which I don't think they are. And with all that being said, let's move on to the next game, also the NFC West game uh, game that I talked about closely relating to this previous game in last week's pod. This is of course the 49ers versus the Rams. Again, what a hell of a game. Um, I think just about everyone thought that the Rams were going to run away with this one being up 17, nothing in the second quarter. I think Sean McVay himself thought that he was celebrating in the end zone with his T or with his, uh, with, I almost said teammates with his, I mean, you could call them teammates, right? With his, uh, with his guys down there, I don't know what the hell I'm trying to say, with the, good, with the people he coaches down there, um, and that was taken moments before disaster, obviously there's all these memes blowing up about it, and for good reason too, um, he was quite juiced up to finally get over that hump of beating the niners and then sure enough the niners weapons just absolutely took over this game it was just electric particularly debo samuel he is just lightning in a bottle man he passed for a 24 yard touchdown in this one he ran the ball eight times for 45 yards and a touchdown and then added another 95 yards through the air he is just absolutely incredible. One of the absolute best weapons in the NFL has to be, in my opinion, the All-Pro in the flex position. He just does everything the Niners need him to, and then some. Beyond that, though, I mean, Brandon Ayuk had 100 yards from scrimmage, um, or over 100 yards receiving. I believe he's like 113. Uh, again, most of it after the catch. Juwan Jennings had damn near 100 yards and two touchdowns as well. Again, most of these yards came after the catch, and Shanahan is just continuing to prove why he's one of the best offensive minds in football, because not only does he scheme guys open, which is impressive enough and hard enough to do in this level consistently, but he also schemes them to have plenty of field to work with once they do have the ball in their hands. And of course these guys are are amazing in themselves and they can generate a ton of yards after the catch just from their pure talent, but a lot of that is also due to the scheme and how the blocking works, how they're able to get the ball with tons of yards in front of them and how they're able to beat guys. It's just so impressive to see the shanahan offense when it's clicking on all cylinders and in the second half of this game it absolutely was we saw debo samuel uh, again brandon ayuk jawan jennings just take this game over purely through of course Jimmy G made some, made some all right throws. He was fine in this game. He wasn't great, but he was fine. He managed the game well enough, but this was all Kyle Shanahan and the genius of his offense, in my opinion, and to not have Trent Williams out, or excuse me, to not have Trent Williams in this game, he was out and still win this game. I mean, I was just thoroughly impressed with the 49ers. And again, their team, you do not want to play in the playoffs. I am so excited for their matchup against Dallas this weekend. I will talk about that in my Thursday episode, because I am fucking pumped of course there are a ton of other playoff games where i'm looking that i'm looking forward to but i just have to throw it out there this one's going to be amazing and then flipping the script talking about the rams for a second i mean god damn it i continue to have issues with matthew stafford and his decision making i've been saying this for about a month now it is genuinely so frustrating because he is constantly making mistakes and we didn't really see them get bitten in the ass by it And this game, it absolutely did. And I've been saying this for, again, about a month. All these playoffs, or excuse me, all these mistakes that Stafford is making, you can't afford to make those same mistakes in the playoffs. You just simply cannot do that. This was a playoff game for the 49ers, and his mistakes cost the Rams the game. So it it was just extremely disappointing as a fan of the game. Um, Of course, like, I'm not a Rams fan, um, but you don't wish anyone's downfall. And Matthew Stafford is just... I don't get it. He's been in the league 12 years now. I don't know why you're throwing the ball up in those situations. And on a side note, he got pretty beat up in this game. This 49ers defensive line did do an amazing job controlling the line of scrimmage with the Rams, getting in Stafford's face consistently, screwing up the run game for the Rams. They played an amazing football game. A lot of credit to Joey Bosa and those guys down in the trenches. But again, it's just Matthew Stafford's decision making was not very good, particularly at the end of this game. And that is not what we're used to seeing. We're used to seeing very clutch moments from Matthew Stafford, maybe some mistakes early in the game, just like we saw in that Ravens game. But this was not the case at all. He actually played very well early in the game. The first half, he looked like a completely different quarterback than he did in the second half. Just far too many mistakes in the second half. His defense even gave him some decent field positions. They Took the ball away from Jimmy Garoppolo twice, I believe. I believe Jimmy threw two picks. I can check right now, actually. I know that he had that pick to Jalen Ramsey when they were on like the 20-yard line. That was just an incredible play by Jalen. Yeah, he had two picks in this one. So again, it's not like the Rams defense just absolutely choked this game away. They actually made some really good plays and some really clutch moments. And Stafford, was he was the issue here. He really cost them this game, and it has to be extremely frustrating from a Rams point of view. And that's enough said about that game, just an extremely, extremely fun watch this weekend. And yeah, I mean, the Niners weapons and their D line just absolutely took over this game and Stafford, well, he shot him in the foot. And I've been saying this again and again and again, you can't shoot yourselves in the foot when you're playing in the playoffs. These teams are just too good. They're too well coached. They're too talented. It's not going to win you football games. And we saw it really shine through in this game. Moving on to the game that everyone is talking about as they should. This was an extremely exciting game and had huge playoff implications. Of course, if they just tied in this game, they both would have made the playoffs. I am talking about the Raiders versus the Chargers i was so juiced up for this game coming into it so juiced up you guys know that i was talking about this game for a super super long time in my thursday episode i could not wait for this game having to be in vegas in that atmosphere having the playoffs on the line and let me tell you it did not disappoint in the slightest just to have so many playoff possibilities come down to one overtime on the very last game of the regular season the league has to love it. The league has to be ecstatic with how this game turned out. But beyond that and all the storylines going on, the game itself was purely amazing. The Chargers were being outplayed practically all game and being down by 15 in the fourth, I think a lot of people just really thought that the Raiders were going to win and just you know run away with it. But sure enough, they crawled back in it. They managed to send it to overtime due to some really, really really impressive plays by Justin Herbert. He just continues to show why he's so ahead of his years. He converted six fourth downs in this game. Absolutely nuts. And of course, many people are talking about a couple things. Um, First was the uh, fourth and one on their own 18. Uh, What the hell was that? Let's be honest. There's you guys know I've been slightly critical of Brandon Staley in his 4th down decisions, um, but then again, I'm not as critical as some uh, in that Chiefs game in particular, I actually liked a lot of the decisions to go for it, there was only one decision in that game that I didn't agree with, and in this case, I, I did not agree with it at all, I thought it was absolutely stupid, I don't know why you wouldn't just punt the ball there, I don't know what he's trying to prove, I don't know what he's trying to do, he's very lucky it didn't turn into 7 points, it only turned into 3, and at the end of the day, that that very much, well, very well could have cost them the game. They did end up losing the game by three points. So who knows? It's all theoretical. It could have gone differently. If they did end up punching the ball, the Raiders maybe would have just marched down the field and got a touchdown. Again, who knows? But still, I mean, I just don't agree with the decision. I think he was stupid. I think he's overthinking it. I think that he's trying to do too much. I think he's trying to prove too much to himself and to his team. I think at that point, you just need to lick your wounds, collect your losses and punt the ball there. And then of course, the other thing that so many people are talking about is the timeout late in the game by the Chargers. My initial reaction, I, again, I was like what the fuck is he doing? Why would you do that? Why would you let the Raiders scheme up a better play? Why would like you stop the clock for him when the Raiders would have had to burn their timeout if they wanted to stop the clock themselves? It was just a really I don't know, I I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. And then I kind of sat on it and I watched it again. And I kind of got it. I understand they want to scheme up their best play and do their best on defense to persuade the the Raiders to not even try a field goal. Um, they want to really stop the run on that one. So that one I didn't hate as much. I kind of understand where they were coming from then. Maybe the Raiders really thought like, oh, we can just play for the tie here. We can just run out the clock. But I don't know. There's arguments for both sides because the clock would have kept running there if they didn't call a timeout. So maybe the Raiders would have just taken the knee and, you know, taken the tie, and you know, count their losses and just let their AFC West rival into the playoffs with them. But I can't really fault Brandon Staley for this one too much. I think he is getting a little too much shit for this one. The fourth and one on their own 18, he deserves all the shit in the world for that one. That was a terrible call. This timeout I don't mind as much. Um, I really think that he was just trying to either get them in a really long field goal position where, you know, you have a chance to block it or they have a chance of missing it and then you tie or you scheme up a good play on that timeout, you hopefully stop them on that run, and then they get put in an awkward spot where they either have to kick it, it has the potential of being blocked by them, or they just take a knee and they both walk off happily in the sunset and make the playoffs. But either way, good for Daniel Carson, great for Derek Carr, but most importantly, amazing job by Rich Pisaccio. I don't know who the hell I said was the Raiders interim head coach in my Thursday episode, but I know I didn't say it was Pisaccio when he is, in fact, the Raiders interim head coach. He is doing a phenomenal job. We obviously know, and I've been talking about it for quite a few weeks now, the Raiders have been through hell and back, and this guy has his guy fighting, has his guys fighting, excuse me. This guy is clearly a great leader for this locker room, and I full-heartedly believe he needs to be the head coach of next year again. I maybe it's I just listened to too much of Mike Florio on PFT. Shout out Mike Florio, amazing analyst, amazing journalist, doing an absolute killer job on Pro Football Talk. One of the great influences for this podcast himself uh, itself. But he had an amazing point. He said that. The Vikings made the NFC Championship game with Case Keenum, and they thought they could do better, and they moved on, and they signed Kirk Cousins, and what have they done since Kirk Cousins has been there? They've won, what, one playoff game, they've been to the playoffs a couple times, but they've been just about average. They've been good, not great. And that year with Case Keenum, they had greatness. Rich Passaccio right now is showing greatness through all the adversity they faced, through being one of the least talented if not the least talented roster in his division to lead them to a playoff berth he's the first interim head coach in nfl history to do that that is so telling to him how these guys believe in him his scheme there it's just amazing the job he's doing and i really really think that the raiders would be stupid and overthinking it if they want to go in a different direction obviously there's all this harbaugh rumors with him and he's fully leveraging it to get a better contract with michigan but which by the way as he should like good for him if if you have leverage in this business to get more money fucking use that shit man because he deserves it he deserves a bag he deserves a lot more than he's getting paid now and if there is serious nfl contention and serious nfl interest in harbaugh he should be leveraging that every single bit he can for against Michigan and asking for more money because again he deserves it. Regardless, I think it'd be a stupid move to go a different direction when you have that lightning in a bottle as Mike Florio of PFT referred to it. Just ride with it. Don't mess it up. Don't completely rethink and revamp how you're doing things because there's it's clicking, it's working. You guys are in the playoffs and you're the first team ever to have an interim coach lead you to the playoffs. Just ride it out. Work with it because Worst comes to worst, it doesn't fucking work out and you find a new head coach the the year after. But if you move on from him and the next guy doesn't do, like, let's just say he doesn't make the playoffs. Let's say they bring someone else in and the next guy doesn't make the playoffs. You're going to have all these fans asking, what happened to Passaccio? Why didn't we just keep him around? He just took it to to the playoffs when we were dealing with all this other Henry Ruggs, Nate Hobbs, John Gruden fiasco. It's like, well, why did we do that? It's, it's, I think they'd be stupid to move on from him. And I really hope he gets another shot there in Las Vegas. Now that we're already talking about these head coaches and the job openings and all of that stuff. Let's talk about these coaches. Let's talk about the GMs. Let's talk about some of the, some of the news that's come out on this Tuesday and Monday. Let's start with my bears because you guys know I'm So excited about this one. The Bears got rid of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. Absolutely love it. The one problem I do have with it, though, why is Ted Phillips still there? Ted Phillips is in charge of player operations. He has been since 1999. He's the one who's been hiring every head coach and GM since then. So that means he's been there for 22 years. We've made the playoffs six times. That is not exactly a good rate. I mean, so far, I like who we're interviewing. I like that we've been talking with Brian Flores. I like that we've, or maybe not talking, but we've requested an interview at least with Brian Flores. Uh, We've requested an interview with Brian Lefkowitz. We've requested an interview with Todd Bowles. Requested an interview with Leslie Frazier and um, the Bills OC as well. Brian Dayball. Like all those guys, think they'd be good coaches there. Um, I really like that at least we have, some hope there i like that we're not going for guys in the college scheme i really don't like when nfl teams do that but again i just think todd phillips is part of this problem there i think he's part of the dysfunction i think he deserves just as much if not more blame than Nagy and pace because we've seen this time and time again he's been there for so long and there's been so little success in the whole time he's been there i think that he is a virus i think that he shouldn't be there i think that He is undeserving of having this job and it baffles me that he's still there so i hope he gets out of there soon i hope george mccaskey does the right thing gets rid of him um either way i just hope we get the right hires even if he's still there i hope we get a decent gm i hope we get a decent head coach um more particularly head coach because i think there is still talent on this roster there i think that it should be a decently attractive head coaching opening obviously i'm biased because i'm talking about my bears but hey you have what looks like a franchise quarterback in Justin Fields, you still have a really, really damn good defense. Maybe you don't have as much calf space as you have, but at least you have some guys there that are certified ballers in Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn. Um, Darnell Mooney's looking like a young and emerging wide receiver. David Montgomery's clearly a very, very good running back in this NFL league. Um, so, I mean, I think, there's, I think there's parts there that can attract a head coach, and I really hope, please God, if Brian Flores ends up in Chicago, I'd be 1-1 one, one one very happy man so let's talk about brian flores this was obviously extremely surprising i don't think a lot of people really saw this coming but it sounds like there was a quote-unquote power struggle between flores and chris greer the gm of the dolphins but stephen ross sounds like he really likes chris greer and he didn't really like brian flores Stephen ross is the owner of the dolphins if you don't know Um, And I just think this was an absolutely stupid move. I think Chris Greer should be to blame for a lot of these problems. I don't think Brian Flores should be at all. I mean, to have your team be one in seven and then win seven straight, not only is that the first time in NFL history, not only have they had a positive winning record two years in a row now, which is very unfamiliar to the Dolphins fan base because they have been, quite frankly, a dysfunctional organization for some time now. Uh, The main problem is not coaching, in my opinion. It never has been. I never thought it was. I didn't understand this move at all. I really thought it was talent on the field, and the talent being drafted there was by Chris Greer. So I really don't understand it, and I really think that it's a stupid move. Um, The only thing that makes it make any sense at all is that, again, Chris Greer and Steven Ross have a much better relationship than Steven Ross and Brian Flores. Brian Flores is obviously kind of a how do I put this? He's he's like the uh, the what what is it that Dan Campbell said? He's like the kneecap biting like no bullshit type attitude, and I don't really think that you know billionaires love that. I just think they want <laughs> they want what they want, and whoever doesn't get it to him is going to get out of the building. Um, and I think that had a lot to do with it. Uh, but again, it doesn't make it any less or any more reasonable. It makes it very unreasonable, in fact. And I hated this move. And Brian Flores is not going to be out of a job very long. I think a lot of teams have a lot of respect for him, as they should. He's a great coach. He was not deserving of being fired. And Bears, do the right thing. Please. I hope to God he's interested in this job. And if he shows any interest at all, just fucking pay the guy whatever the hell he asked for. Just Just bring him in. Please. Please. It'd be such a good fit, and it'd be so awesome. And he's a great head coach. And... Whew. just go get him please all right moving on to the next guys so Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer are done as the respective GM and head coach of the Minnesota Vikings and i i mean i yeah i don't i get why they did this i think that they were both equally to blame for the dysfunctions of the Minnesota Vikings again it's not that they've been a terrible team they've actually been a pretty good team they're just not quite good enough and it's a very cutthroat business. It's a very intense business. You got to win football games in order to keep your job, and that's just how it goes. It's it's tough. I mean, these guys have been there a very very long time. I believe Rick Spielman Spiel Spielman. I said that funny. Um I believe he's been there like 19 years. Mike Zimmer's been there eight. Um Mike Zimmer should get a defensive coordinator job pretty soon here. He shouldn't be jobless for too long. Going to be really interesting to see what happens with Rick Spielman. Uh But I really think the storyline that most people aren't paying enough attention to him is it really opens up questions about Kirk Cousins and all the money they've been giving him and what they're going to do with him going forward. Because again, I was already alluding to this earlier. Case Keenum took him to the NFC Championship game. They thought that he was hindering their team. He was holding them back. So they gave a fat bag to Kirk Cousins and hopefully get him over that hump. And he simply has not. He hasn't been a bad quarterback, particularly in the stat sheet. But again, just... That stigma of Kirk Cousins not showing up in the biggest moments is still very much alive, and it still has a lot of, you know, facts to it. It still has a lot of facts to back it up. It still has a lot of meat to that argument, and it's going to be very interesting to see what the future is going to be here in Minnesota, whether they're going to bring a new guy in, a veteran guy, whether they're going to try and draft a guy and develop him, uh, whether they – because Kirk has one more year left on his deal, right? So they could theoretically draft a guy in this year's draft, hopefully let him develop under Kirk, because it doesn't sound like Kellen Mond's developing well, <laughs> clearly. Um, and it's just, yeah, I mean, it just really opens up questions for what they want to do in the future with Kirk Cousins, because he hasn't been their like holy savior they thought he was going to be. Moving on to the next head coach that's out of a job. Again, another guy that I don't think is going to be out of a job too long. I think he's going to be a defensive coordinator somewhere. I would not be opposed if the Bears brought him back, although I don't think that Sean Desai is doing a bad job there at all, is Vic Fangio. Um, I have a feeling that the Broncos are going to heavily pursue Nathaniel Hackett, solidify their place in the Rodgers sweepstakes in this one. But again, I see why Fangio was fired. Um, It's not like the Broncos have been particularly successful under his regime, but then again, there's a lot of other blame to be pointed here. It's not on Vic. Um, I still think he's a great defensive coordinator, maybe not the best head coach. Again, don't think he's going to be out of a job too long, and the Broncos should be a very, 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 very intriguing job for a lot of top-notch head coaches. Unfortunately, hopefully they don't steal Brian Flores from my bears cuz i want that to happen so badly i i don't i don't know why but the second i i heard that news i was just like yes please god bring him in next this is a very new development so we already knew Dave Gettleman is out as the GM for the Giants it sounds like he's announcing his retirement but just breaking right before i'm recording this actually Joe Judge is out as well after 2 years of being the Giants head coach yeah i i can't say i i mean i'm i think Gettleman was going to get fired and instead of, I, I have a feeling the Giants just approached him and was like, look, we can agree to mutually part ways, or how, how do you want to go about this? I have a feeling that they just wanted to end it on good terms, and Gettleman probably didn't want the embarrassment of having to be either fired or, you know, quote-unquote mutually agreeing to part ways. So he's probably just like, yeah, fuck it, I'll retire, I'll be back in a couple of years, don't worry about me. And good for him, good for him for recognizing that he is not the future, that he is not a what's the word it's I think it's um respectful that he would choose to retire and not get fired because he was going to get fired in my opinion I I really do think he was going to get fired as far as Joe Judge goes I've been talking about this for a couple weeks he's really like he talked himself out of this job the past couple weeks and it's not that he was like like winning games and then just having terrible conferences because he was getting his ass whooped in these games and then also going to the press and just sounding like a moron um But yeah, I mean, I think these are both fully deserving. Um, The Giants have a lot of dysfunction going on for the the past few, even like decades outside of those Super Bowl runs. They've just been not the best organization. And I think that this is going to be a very, very messy rebuild, just considering they don't really know what they have in Daniel Jones. They've got some weapons on that offense, but their offensive line is still a mess. The defense has flashes every now and then, but can't really bring it all together. Um, they've got some guys walking away in free agency this year that I have a feeling are not going to want to come back. Um, and there's just so many question marks about this team. I can't imagine it's a very high demand job for a coach or a GM right now. Then again, it is a historical franchise and it would be, There'd be a lot of pride behind having your name being the one that turned the Giants around. So maybe that's one of the appeals of it all, but still, I just really don't see it right now. And I think both of these fires, or, you know, retirement and fire, was completely worthy and made complete sense to me. All right. Well, that's going to be it for me, guys. I've been ranting for almost 45 minutes now. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode. Let me know what you guys think about the games of this weekend. Let me know what you guys think of the playoff matchups for next week. Very excited to talk about those on Thursday. I've got something in my throat, so I'm going to fucking drink a little water right now. Ah, Jesus. Ugh. You ever, like, I don't know what the fuck that is. I just got, like, a gnarly scratch in my throat from literally just talking. Whew. Um... Yeah, and let me know what you guys think of some of the job vacancies as far as head coach and GM go, who you think should be filling in some of those vacancies, who you think was deserving of being fired, who you guys think wasn't deserving of being fired. Of course, most people are saying Brian Flores wasn't deserving of being fired. Um, You don't have to be a real genius to know that one. But either way, let me know what you guys think of this past week. It's been a very interesting week of football and I'm very much looking forward to the playoffs. I'll catch you guys on Thursday. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and peace out, guys. Have a good day.